Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today. Playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Hey, you're listening to the Headbangers Vault. This is the B1 Bomb, and the Schmutz is on a route right now. Tonight, we have a big guest, and that would be Mr. Dale Thompson from Bride. How are you doing? Hey, 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 good, good, doing well. I'm glad we can connect here, even though you're pretty much all the way around the world. Great. Yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on the bottom of it. This is probably the farthest guest that we've ever had on the podcast. Yeah, well, you can't get much further than uh, where we're at. We're at. Let's go to the South Island. I bet it's beautiful there. Yeah, we, um, we've we had some rain, but I think it's going to be a nice day today. Today, I'll just get right into the meat and potatoes right here, since we got you here for a little bit. I know some of our fans are familiar with you guys, and some of them aren't, because, you know, we kind of do Christian and secular music on here. I like to mix it up a little bit, you know, make sure people hear everybody and their take on, you know, their history and all kinds of stuff that they have going on in their bands and their lives. Yeah. So my question for you, Dale, is can you take us back to the beginning of your career and tell us how Bride started? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. We... We started, uh, it was uh, Troy, my brother, and I, and we uh, formed the band in about 1985, which was, uh, it was uh, from a band that we'd had previously. Right to about during a record signing contract, we changed the name of the Matrix to Bride. Okay. And uh, from there, we've always been a signed band, whether it's been with a label or a distribution company, and we you know, we, we just, you know, we've played our dues throughout the years. We've got 17 or 18 full-length albums, lots of other things going on musically, and we, we stay quite busy. We've played a lot of secular places and a lot of Christian places, and, you know, we've traveled the world. Uh, God has given us an opportunity to, to visit places like Brazil and Europe and Scandinavia, Costa Rica, Canada. Uh, we even played the Alaska State Fair one time, which was quite cool. Oh, wow. But, um, We've dabbled in heavy metal, dabbled in uh, thrash, dabbled in hard rock, and wrote some good ballads. And, uh, you know, me personally, uh, you know, I've written and recorded probably close to three, 4,000 songs now because I uh, I actually uh, sing for 16 different bands at the wow. moment. <laughs> that's, and, a, that's um, a lot. Well, yeah, people hire me and then they, they contract me out that I do albums Okay. Singles and such. Cool. So, you know, some of those bands are like Perpetual Paranoia, Thomas Thompson Earth Project, mm-hmm. Iron 501, uh, Not of This World, Divine Crucible. Uh, who else? Oh, and I've got a blues project that I'm working on my third album. It's called The Boon Dogs. All that right. did really well. I really like The Reconciled. Yeah, so that, that's a good one, too. Yep, that, the reconciled. That's with Todd Stevens, and uh, Todd is mixing the, the second album to follow it to that. And then, of course, you know, Brian, which is the meat and potatoes of, of what I do, and, and Troy and I are, are in the middle of 
writing a double album for 2024 now, and we're releasing a 30th year anniversary a Snakes in the Playground acoustic album with all re-recorded songs with uh, some songs that were written back in 92 and 93 that were never recorded. So that's coming out this year. Oh, wow. I can't wait for that one. That's exciting news right there. We just, you know, we just try to stay busy. That's the big thing. You know, I, I was going to ask you, when did you guys decide to make your first album and the heavy metal approach? Was that just because of the times and the bands that were popular at that time or how did that all come about? When I got into this style of music, I'll tell you what got me into it. There was an album called Seeds of Change by Terry Lipton and I heard Ronnie James Dio sing that album. And for me, that was the ultimate vocal and that's what I was aiming for at that point because any any time before that, I don't know what I was actually doing or sounding like but once i heard dio saying i was like god if you want me to do this i need to be able to, to do that if that is the same with the same conviction that dio sang but yeah and within within just months you know my voice developed i was able to do all the you know the vocal acrobatic stuff and i, I didn't have to take lessons but that would have probably they'd have probably told me i was doing it wrong but you know in music you can't really do it wrong you just express yourself. That's, right. you know, people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. That's it's not on you at that point because you're just doing what you do naturally. Well said. Now, my co-host has just joined us here. What's up, Dale? Oh, we found his dog. This is just schmutz. <laughs> What's up? Thanks for uh, joining us. Yep. I told him you had to chase after your dogs a little bit before you get Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's farming season here. I got behind a few trailers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Dale, did you guys ever open up for any kind of mainstream secular bands back when you guys were first slinging it out in the clubs and everywhere else you guys were touring at? No. Um, I mean, the only big band that we've opened for was Striper and all the other bands. We were pretty much, you know, either the headline or the co-headline. Of okay. Big Christian events. Yeah, I did a big stint out in California with a fellow named Rick Fox, who uh, uh, was the original bassist in Wasp. And so I went out and oh, played wow. with his band in Thunderball. And, uh, you know, out there you meet everybody. So, you know, of course I got to meet Blackie and Steven Tyler. And, you know, you're hanging out with people, uh, Axl Rose, and oh, Billy wow. Idol. But, you know, as far as actually playing with them, no. But as far as being in that L.A glam rock type thing of the day we were uh, or i was out there at the time and then i brought some of that knowledge from playing with rick back to bride and then we took bride a little bit of a different direction at that point after i had experienced los angeles okay and then ran from it it was scary <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it was did you guys have any favorite bands that you like to tour with anybody at all? um we always enjoyed uh, playing with blood good and uh resurrection band or res band as they're called we did a lot of touring up in like norway the scandinavian country petra and that was fun so yeah i mean we, we played as far as the christian scene goes we play with most of the, the heavy and hard rock bands so you know deliverance and vengeance and okay. mortification you know we play with a lot of those type of bands but then we play with the newsboys and guardian and some oh, of wow. the, the, the lighter sounding bands as well Okay. Um, we just, you know, we were bride. We were never in that clique, you know, where you see musicians hanging out and having 
you know, having some sort of fellowship with one another. We we were always sort of like the, the band that was sitting over in the corner. <laughs> it's like we're, we, we weren't talking and they weren't talking. So we, we were just kind of an entity into ourselves. And, and, and probably pretty much is even more so now that we aren't touring and I'm, you know, 11,000 miles away. Now, we had Stacy and Freddie from the Brave on last week, and they had nothing but good things to say about you guys and mm-hmm. going on tour with you guys. Said they really enjoyed Oh, yeah, the Brave was fantastic. I think the first time we played with them was in Minneapolis, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, we became friends at that point. And so the problem is, even now so, is that there are so many bands and these distribution companies distributing so many bands, a lot of these bands are really not good. Mm-hmm. And it's just to make money. And it's draining the fans because right. they want to buy everything that comes out. And a band like The Brave that is top caliber, and even Bride can get looked over because people will spend their money on all these bands when they come out. And you only have so much money to spend. And I'm not saying to the bands that aren't very good to stop, but I'm just basically saying to the, the labels they need to they need to not sign every band that sends them a demo. Right. And right. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you know, get the quality back in the music. You know, and I'm guilty of that as well. You know, I mean, there's there's several projects that I've played on that the songs are good, but the production is not that good. Mm-hmm. But they pay me, so I do it. And Right. You got to make a living, so I'm I'm pretty much guilty of contributing to exactly what I'm saying not to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me one time they said that that if they paid me, I'd sing into a garbage can, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. If that's if you pay me for it, I will. Hey, you got to make money. <laughs> yeah, you got to make a living. Yeah. So why did you guys change your direction a little bit when you came out with Kinetic Faith? compared to your other albums of just something that you guys wanted to explore as a, you know, different musical direction or how'd that come about? Well, Troy dictates the way the music goes because he is the primary songwriter. And, and I interject if I like certain riffs or certain parts or even certain songs. And, and if I can make something out of it. And once it was just Troy and I, we weren't bringing in like, other players like Steve Osborne or Rob Johnson, who could really play metal, like major metal stuff. Like Steve Osborne was, I mean, almost like a Randy Rhodes incarnated, you know. Uh, he brought that metal vibe to the band. And when it was just Troy and I, we resorted back to all of our roots, which was just rock and roll. And, you know, with a bit of an edge on it. And then since that time, uh, I mean, we've gone in and out of metal and hard rock, and even just straight rock but you know i don't think we've ever did any pop rock thank goodness we did some ballads but we did them the broadway you know we sure. we have our own style but you know we kind of approach it like that but it wasn't it wasn't that we were following trends it's just the players that we had at the time you know when we did kinetic faith we no longer had the players of the past that were playing all the heavy stuff we incorporated players that were much different in their styles, and then we ran with it. And that's how we got kinetic faith and snakes and scarecrow messiah, and you know from there. Okay, mm-hmm. how did you guys go about playing "God Gave Rock and Roll to You" with DOC? How'd that come about? I mean, there was a video for it and everything. Just kind of want to know the history of that. We were in the studio in Nashville, and DOC Disciples of Christ was in another studio, the Rap Band, and. 
star song came to us and said, we've got this idea to kind of do that Aerosmith run DMC style song. Or mm-hmm. you guys want to do God gave rock and roll to you? And I said, yeah, we'll do it. Now, I never even heard their products. You know, I didn't know what they were going to do. We went in and rewrote the song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, with Troy's riffs and me singing. Mm-hmm. And we gave it to him and said, there you go. We didn't, we didn't get paid for it or anything. Wow. We didn't even get credit on the DOC album. Wow. And it was a DOC song. And a lot of the places I saw it didn't even say featuring members abroad. It was just DOC. And, and that, that didn't bother me, nothing. But it was just kind of like, wow, you know, we shot a video on everything for this. And, you know, we didn't even get paid for it. You know, it's, it's just it's just it's just the way that, that life is in general. You know, you best to count your chickens before they hatch and to get paid up front. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> Did the grunge affect you guys at all back in the 90s, early, mid-90s or not? I think so. Um, I was never, never a fan of Nirvana, never a fan of Pearl Jam. Never a fan of some of those other bands. Uh, Alice in Chains. I do like Alice in Chains now, but I didn't back then. Mm-hmm. But the ba- the two bands that stood out for me was Soundgarden mm-hmm. and Mother Love Bone. Okay. And yeah. I get accused a lot of sounding like Axl Rose in the past. And that people said that, you know, Bride was like a Guns N' Roses. But I wasn't focused on Guns N' Roses. I was focused on Mother Love Bone when I did... Uh, like uh, the Snakes in the Playground album. Okay. Uh, because I just thought Andrew Wood was a brilliant lyricist and a great vocalist and, you know, phenomenal stage guy. And I was like, man, that guy's way cool. You know, and then, of course, you know, he ends up dying, which, mm. you know, all the guys in the scene seem to die eventually prematurely. Yeah, that's right. That's and I, don't, I, I don't know if they were Seattle or not, but it, anyway, I know that the Sound Gardens and Alice Chains and all that. It was an association, so to speak. You know, there was like Bang Tango. I even was listening to Bang Tango at, at one point. But yeah, I mean, my, my vocal influence as far as singing, though, has always been just power vocal. Just, you know, blow you away with power. And I mean, since that time, my voice has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I no longer have the the young man's voice. I have what we call a mature voice. Mm-hmm. Going into the Leonard Cohen geriatric stage of my life. <laughs> well, that happens to a lot of us. <laughs> Did you have any favorite Bright albums or songs that kind of stick out for you? Um, if we were to go out and play live now, we would probably play our old set list, which pretty much pumped us. Uh, probably would be uh, stuff with Netic Face, Snake Playground, mm-hmm. Scarecrow. Uh, we may throw a new one in or so, but I'd have to learn it. I don't know any of our songs. I just I wrote them and recorded them, and we, I never rehearsed them. Mm-hmm. See, in the old days, I used to have to rehearse the songs to get ready for an album, so we do those songs inside and out. And with today's technology and the way that I'm recording, Troy sends me music, and I sing it, and I send it to him, and I never hear it again. It's gone. You know, it's, it's, it's like giving birth and handing your child away to somebody, you know, you, <laughs> because you move, you've moved on to the next song. Yeah. I've recorded so many songs, I couldn't tell you the names of the songs in the last three Bride albums. Oh, wow. wow. I don't know any of the lyrics. I don't know any of the <laughs> songs at all. It's like when I'm, when I'm recording, I'm focused. I'm trying to do my best. And then when I push that button to send, it's gone, gone forever. Yeah. It's in somebody else's hands. <laughs> yeah, right. My favorite is always Fistful of Bees by you guys. I love that album. 
I mean, that was probably one of my favorites. He talks about it all the time. Yes, I still spin that in my CD player. Well, I'll tell you something funny about Fistful of Bees is that I had a lacerated vocal cord at the time, and the, and the doctor said I'd never sing again. Oh, wow. So we wanted to do one more album. That's why there's not a lot of the, a lot of screams and stuff on it, and why at times it sounds like I'm doing some demented, awkward form of rap, which I wasn't. But anyway, I guess that's the way it came across because uh, a lot of people were turned off by that. But as far as the songs and Troy's guitar and the overall sound, it's bloody blistering, that album. And Planky and I mixed it, and when I brought it back to Kentucky to preview it for everybody, everybody loved it except for Lawrence, our bass player at hmm. the time. And he was like, what have you done to it? Because he, he thought it was going to sound like Snakes the Playground. And I was like, no, 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 we're not going to go back to that. We're going to move on. So we pulled out a lot of stops with Fistful of Bees, used a lot of studio tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I, I mean, personally, I had a blast recording it, even though I thought it was going to be my last album. I thought I was done. Mm. Well, thank the good Lord that yeah, you right. were back in the saddle and it was not your last album. Well, uh, I have to, I'm definitely thinking because... I remember not having a voice at all because my voice had, had been so destroyed. And um, I was on to Cornerstone for a show. It was a classic rock show. And I couldn't speak. I had no voice to speak. And we were scheduled to go on. And when I hit the stage, I said, well, I'm just going to let it all hang out. And I hit that first note. I was like, okay, I did it. I hit the note. And I sang the whole show. And I left the stage and had no voice again. The whole show, I was nailing it, just like, you know, the big notes and, and everything. And uh, it was a classic rock show, so I had all my cheat notes on stage for lyrics. Couldn't remember all the lyrics, because we hadn't played a lot of these songs in years. But the show went off without a hitch, and afterwards I had no voice. Mm. And it was sometime after that, we were playing a show in this really nice theater. And uh, I made mention to the promoter that I was having all sorts of vocal problems and that the doctors wanted to operate. And if they did, they couldn't guarantee that I'd ever sing again. So he formed a little prayer group, like a circle around me and prayed for me. Oh, wow. And from that point on, I've never, never had a vocal a problem since. And uh, wow. Amen that. I had surgery on my hand not long ago. And they said about my vocal cords, they said that my vocal cords were very, very tight. Like, they couldn't tell that I was even singing because my, my vocal cords were so tight. And I was like, wow, God must have stitched me up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. God gifted yeah. talent right there, Dale. Yeah, and I, and I don't take it for granted because, you know, I'm 60 years old, and at any time, any, you know, anything can happen to you physically. I mean, I just had two major hemsons that I wasn't prepared for to have. So, you know, that, that those kind of things make you realize how moral you really are, regardless of in your head, you think you're something. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all have it. We all have it, an expiry date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, when you mentioned Cornerstone, did you guys play there quite a bit through the years? Because I know i seen you guys there in 94, pretty much every year you guys were there for the extent of a decade. I think we probably played Cornerstone, and this is just a rough guess, maybe about six times. I know we played it We played it either before or after the release of Live to Die, and then we played it around the Snakes era. We played a classic stage that I mentioned earlier, maybe one or two other times. 
But we had problems with Cornerstone, and, and it's documented and was documented on my Wikipedia. I just felt the festival was headed the wrong direction, and I didn't want to play it anymore. We showed up one time, and it was so funny because there was a guy standing at the gate with a sign waiting for us that says, Boycott Bride. So uh, I took the sign from him, and then that night when we played, I brought the sign out and held it up and did a song holding up the sign that said, Boycott Bride. (laughs) 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 You know, it it, it turned into, I mean, it used to be like what I would consider a hippie fest, which was great because you realize just how much people smell like pigs when you put them in mud. (laughs) And then it started turning a bit weird. I've seen a lot of the goth thing come in, and with that, you have a lot of these, these gender-confused people, and I just thought that it was being way too liberal for me. They even had like a, a black leather S&M booth there, oh, wow. and I didn't know what that had to do with Christ at all. I mean, what you do in your private time is fantastic, but man, that was that was pretty blatant. And I just sort of made my mind up at that time. I was done with it. I wasn't going to go back. There was no, no room for us there. No room at the end. Yeah. I, have to go elsewhere. I think you made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, I, I do appreciate the, the Jesus people, Jacuzza people and all that, but somewhere along the way, I don't know what happened, but uh, I just started seeing a change that I was uncomfortable with. You know, I don't, I don't know what was going on at that point, and I really didn't care to find out. Right. Are you guys ever thinking about getting back together and performing sometime in the future? Is that on the horizon? I hope to be moved back to the States in 2024. And at that point, Troy and I will consider all of our options, everything from touring to reestablishing a record label that, that we have released things on in the past that was kind of an unofficial, unaffiliated record label called the Father of Broad Music. We, uh, we, I don't know what we'll do at that point when I, when I move back. You know, I may go into, I don't know, I may go into fast food. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sure you've probably heard of that Immortal Fest over there at BMI. I mean, would that be something that you guys would look into possibly? Well, we would. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I would love to play for the people that want to see us play, but I don't want to play in a crowd that is 50-50 which I think because of some of my stances and my outspokenness and stuff, I think that, you know, and, and, I, and, and I've done it to myself, but I do think that we'd have half the crowd and the other half would be judging us the whole time we performed. So I would, I just want to play to a crowd that comes to see good music and enjoys right. it, not, not to be judged and, you know, and, and then have to answer questions about my personal beliefs afterwards. Right, right, right. <laughs> No judgment here, Dale, because uh, B1's more of a church guy. I'm I'm kind of not. You know, I just like good music. I'm just there for the music. I got him to go with us to the Immortal Fest yep, this I did summer. Go. So he yeah. did go when we seen Deliverance and mm-hmm. One Bad Disciple. Pig and Disciple. So yeah. we had a really good time. You it guys fun. might actually fit in really well there. Well, and I'm wondering, too, because, you know, of course, if I'm back in the States, I would, I would not have to have as much to play because... Just me coming to the States to play a show would be a fortune and airfare. But I'm just right. wondering how they can have all of these, these what I consider top-notch bands with not that big of a crowd. I don't know how they're paying their bands. I did hear, I asked a few questions because I am trying to open up a concert venue myself. 
So I asked some questions. They said every year when they have that, they lose money. Do they? That's what they told me. Well, there's, there's no doubt really the production. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of impressed because a lot of the bands have great backdrops. I never had a good backdrop. We had an American flag one time, which was quite cool, but I never had anything that said bright. I remember playing Brazil and they had all the, the special effects and stuff. And then I look back on the screen and there's this massive rod and there's flames going up. And I'm like, that's cool. I wish we could take that to the States. It's like, you know, you're playing a real show at that point, but that was, that was Brazil when I get back to the States. And, you know, at a certain point, you couldn't even afford flashpoints. Right. <laughs> and, we, and we dealt with that, too, with promoters losing money. And it, you expect to, you know, a workman is, is worthy of his hire. So you expect to get paid to pay your expenses. Right. But, mm-hmm. but we got... We got that, you know, I owe you a lot, uh, which <laughs> really means not for a good time. It's like, because they, they, they know in order for them to do any more shows, a lot of these promoters used to do, they had to pay their light man, they had to pay their sound man, they had to had to pay certain other costs, and then the band came last. Well, uh, a lot of times it was like, well, here's half the money, we'll send you the other half uh, when we get it. And you wouldn't get it. Out of, oh, wow. out of the many shows, we did not get paid in full. Only one photo ever sent us the money he owed us. You know, and, and like I told a guy the other day, I said, I'm just not wanting to drive 500 miles one way for a pizza and a hotel room. Yeah. It's just not going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not worth it. Well, hopefully I don't have to, hopefully I can be able to pay everyone. <laughs> yeah, I hope you can, dear Schmutz. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> I don't want to be in that situation. I'm just thinking, you know, since Kenneth Copeland seems to be asking for all this money, why don't why don't they go to him and see if he will uh, give some money to the very worthy cause Christian uh, music, you know, instead of buying jets with it. I don't know. Well, no. uh, good, point. Good, good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah, it's like, hey, Kenny, giving it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over 100-fold. Don't you believe what you preach? You know, that's why I like <laughs> to tell a lot of these truths. It's like, give. You know, give out of them. Giving, you know, let's get this festival going. You've got the means to do it. You're taking money from old people every day. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. A few more questions here for you. I'll try to tell you how I really feel. Okay. If you could open up for any band, who would it be? I would like to open up for uh, probably uh, Devin Townsend, I would think. I think that would be a cool show. Oh, yeah. He is really good. He used to sing for Steve Vai. That's a really good album that he had with Steve and his own stuff is just phenomenal. Matter of fact, when somebody says, who's your favorite heavy metal, it's always Devin Townsend because nobody can sing like him. Nobody uh, writes the diversity of music rights. And I have everything that he's, that he's done, especially with Anne Ennick, uh, the, the girl singer okay. from uh, Holland. Together, they make a great pair uh, on stage and on albums. And I just, I can't get enough of it. It's, it's what's, I got 50 songs programmed into my BMW. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'll have to listen to more of his stuff. I've just really scratched the surface on his material. Now, I don't know what was said before I got here, but uh, do you like any 80s like hair bands? 90s or, you know. 90s, 80s hair bands. we do a lot of hair bands and, you know, hard rock stuff from that era. Um, hair bands. Uh, I'll tell you who I love to hear sing is, his name escapes me. I don't know why. But anyway, Cinderella, I like. Oh, uh, Tom Kiefer. Tom Kiefer, that's yeah. it. Uh, I, I just yeah. saw him about three weeks ago. He was awesome. He yeah. Killed, John Karabi opened up for him. I love his voice. The Cult, another great band. Yeah, you know, just really like to hear them. 
but when I when I listen to music now for enjoyment, it's it's a lot of stuff like uh, Sergus Ross from Iceland. It's uh, Radiohead. It's music where where musicianship over show has to achieve a certain amount of, of dominance. My son's always sending me, he's really into this the thrash progressive stuff, and he's always sending me these crazy bands that, that look like boy bands, but they sound like Slayer versus <laughs> oh, wow. Rush on steroids. Wow. And I can't even begin to name the names of bands, but there used to be bands that, that I used to really enjoy, like Between the Buried and Me was a good band for that style. Mm-hmm. So that, that sort of, that, that real progressive stuff intrigues me because I don't think I could ever do it. And that's even more reason to listen to it. Sure. Have you ever heard of the band Gothard? No. Uh, they're no. from uh, Switzerland. Yeah, they're like a Metallica in Switzerland. Yeah, they're, they're that, like that huge. huge. They're huge in Switzerland. Yeah, I, <laughs> I discovered them one night. I start going down these rabbit holes on YouTube and I just start discovering these bands and I discovered Gothard and they are Oh, they're awesome. great. But you might you might want to check them out. They're kind of a bluesy hard rock type yeah, band. Yeah, you like Tom Kiefer, you like oh, that. Oh yeah. He started in the nineties. Their lead singer, he died in a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. They've never really been the same after that. But, right. But they are really good. Oh wow. Yeah, but they're really good. Check yeah, them but, out. I was gonna tell you this band my son sent me here. They're called Unprocessed, I think is the name of the band. Mm. Anyway, I'm not really endorsing them, but that's sort of the the other style of music, if I want to go heavier, that, that I do find intriguing. Okay, well, sure. we'll check so, it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they're pretty amazing, those type of fans. Anyway, back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of style of music do you enjoy playing the most? You know, whether it's blues, it's rock or metal or... Uh, well, I get a big kick out of recording for Perpetual Paranoia because I get to do all the crazy screams and stacked vocals like Devin Townsend does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll take a note and I'll hold it as long as I can and I'll look at the time and I'm like, yeah, 30 seconds, awesome. You know, and it's, it's a lot of fun to do that. But if, if I'm just going to have some good old fun singing, probably songs like from Brad's uh, album, like doing a, like a hired gun type song. Okay. Something with a lot of groove to it. It's got a Zeppelin-y vibe to it, that type of thing. Okay. Even during the whole hair band thing, Zeppelin, to me, still ruled over all of those yeah, bands. So I agree completely. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, nothing against those bands. As a matter of fact, I saw Kicks in concert in mm-hmm. L.A., and it was one of the most fantastic shows I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I, Kicks, I seen them open up for Striper. They were amazing. I think they just finally wrapped it up and called it a day. Yep. They were they were something. Uh, the bands like that was quite cool because they weren't really in the mainstream. A lot of people that listened to eighties rock didn't even know. Them, you know, oh. they just they didn't get the air and stuff. They have a lot of good songs. Yes, they do. But you know, back in the eighties, since you guys are so much in the eighties, I was in L.A. quite a bit at that time, and you know, they had a radio station up there, and I suppose they still do, maybe. But I haven't been to California. Age is not something completely liberal. I'm liking I'm just, it. <laughs> I, I feel like I have it constantly running. But um, they had a radio station out there that was just awesome. Playing bands you never heard of. All these L.A. bands mm-hmm. uh, that were up and coming who never made it. Some of them were just as good as others. You know, makes me remember uh, Ray Gillen of Badlands. You know, that was another another uh, guy that I uh, that I saw. I never didn't get the meeting, but I actually saw him outside of the club one night. 
course, you know, uh, he, he died shortly thereafter, but uh, he had a good voice. So Yes, he did. I love Badlands, and those guys are good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Dale, I did have a question for you. On your album, Zar Bamba, there is a song at the very end. It's actually a little acoustic version of Bohemian Rhapsody. How did that come about? Who's playing that? That is amazing. I don't want to get into like the, the main details of, of all of that, but that was played by Steve Osborne, who uh, I mentioned earlier having the Randy Rhodes influence and mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. And Steve Osborne, he popped in and out of Bride from time to time. We did shows with him early on, but then he became basically a studio guy for us. But I think the way that Steve went out of this world, I think that Bohemian Rhapsody was telling us goodbye. So that that means a lot to, to us Absolutely. as a band, Yeah, uh, that, that he would put that on the Ride album. But it was kind of Steve's like saying, you know, thank you and good night. And I thought that was something wow. that was very fitting. Yeah, that's an amazing piece right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally, Dale, what is next for you and Bride and your other projects? Oh, wow. I've got so much going on. You know, I mentioned the uh, Snakes and Playburn Acoustic album that is going to press any day now that we're selling that strictly through the Bride website. So that's something we're doing. And I'm recording with Troy for the double album that's going to come out in 2024. It won't be Illusion, whatever Guns N' Roses is. It's going to be something <laughs> much different than that. Much different than that. So people will say, oh, they're doing Guns N' Roses. They're doing a double album. But it's, it's not, I didn't even have that in mind. And somebody mentioned that to me the other day. And I was like, oh, I thought I was being cool. But anyway, <laughs> uh, then there's um, Perpetual Paranoia. We got stuff coming out. And Iron 501 was just released to all the streaming outlets. Iron 501 is bass, drums, and vocals, no guitar. And a lot of times you can't tell there's no guitar. That's the that's the genius of Miles Barfield. Then um, finishing up my blues project, The Boondogs, which will be the third release. Uh, that's actually being mixed right now. I'm getting samples daily. Uh, it's going to be different than the, than the last two, uh, just because I've changed some players and I've focused a little bit on other instruments and taking my Tom Waits influence, you know, and, and injecting that in there real heavy. Then we've got, you know, we've I've just released Not of This World, Crucible Divine, Jagged uh, Doctrine. We just released, uh, actually we released, it was, uh, I was on that album. And then uh, Thomas Thompson Earth Project, that is being finished up now. That's a nice heavy metal one. Uh, we Are Resolute, that's gone to Scott Waters, who is now uh, designing and putting everything together for a release on that. So I just got a lot of stuff coming out. Wow, I'd um, say so. Yeah, recording you know weekly the different bands and stuff. And Troy and I are still releasing uh, our classic cover songs that we we like. That's part of you know what we're what we're doing to sort of give back and show people what has influenced us. And I think Troy and I recorded probably about fifty classic rock songs, maybe oh, wow. more. Wow. And they're all out there on YouTube. So you could actually go to my Dale Thompson official YouTube channel and find a lot of those there. And in the meantime, uh, I do short story writing, so that keeps me busy when I'm not writing lyrics or singing. And I think I've got about 230 short stories now, and a lot of them are being read on a Simply Scary podcast that comes out. So that's that's, I listen to that stuff. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I'm quite proud of. 
And when I get back to the States, I'm going to put those stories in the book. And, and like I said, with no possibility of touring, so we'll see what happens. Okay, we're going to keep our fingers crossed on that because yeah, we will be going to see you guys we'll, if you're we'll close to there. our area. Yep, if you're in the area, oh, we'll be there. Hopefully you come to Indiana. Or Ohio. Yeah. Well, I love corn, and that's the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's more than corn in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> we got the butter, too. You know? <laughs> we appreciate you coming on the show here, Dale. Absolutely. Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for the invite and, and putting up with me and, and what little I have to say that contributes to your show. I hope somebody somebody hears it and that they'll get a kick out of it. And the number one thing is always, God is love. Love never fails. Love conquers all things. So we need to remember that in, and in this day and time. And not to be preaching, but, you know, you need Jesus. That's it. You need Jesus. Amen. We're going to let you go here. I know you got stuff going on. Thanks for coming on the Headbangers Vault. Yep, we appreciate it. Give us some it. of your free Thank time you here. Much. Thank you. All right, yeah, anytime, anytime, yeah. And you know what? This is the Headbangers Vault, right? Is that what you call Vault. it? Vault with a V. Headbangers Vault. That's a hard word, right? <laughs> You're listening to Headbangers Vault! All right. <laughs> we love it. Heck yeah, we do. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in to our show tonight. And check us out on Spotify, Podbean, and all that fun stuff and what Nikki Lane says. If it's too loud, you're too old. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Keep rocking out there, everyone. Manifest a life, just an auto